Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Yo. Oh. Yo. Oh. Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we bout to party. We bout to party, unrestricted, got the house now, we gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down, got that big space pump and make them bounce now, flossing like they bossing and the freaks are coming out now. Hey everybody, welcome to AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. We've got Aubrey Edwards and Tony Schiavone here with... Oh my god, I can't believe we haven't had you on the podcast yet. I'm actually quite insulted. I'm, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I was like, are these fucking guys ever going to ask me to do this stuff? <laughs> Seriously. Well, you're a podcast legend, so we should have at the beginning, right? We really should have. I think so. Yeah, you and know and what you're doing and with the podcast. AEW legend and, right. you know, legend in my own mind, right. all those sorts of things. Yeah. But, Very much so. Uh, but I'm glad that I finally got the invite. That's that's true. I mean, it was just like, you're, you're too high up here. We got to get everybody you're down here for first. three-year anniversary. We were. Speak you're, of the devil. We are here. for the dregs of society first. You know, like we had to just get through everybody. Just, oh, God. Okay, right. we're done. We need someone who knows what the fuck they're doing. Let's get Chris in here. But anyway, it is... The anniversary of Dynamite, uh, three years, and of course we have to have the guy that's been here since the very beginning. You've literally, like, the company, is, as Tony has said multiple times, you've, the whole company was sort of, like, built around you at the beginning. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say it was built around me, but I think, you know, especially thinking back three years, which is hard to believe three years, it's so crazy. I know, right? Um, which, incidentally, October 2nd, 2019, was my 29th anniversary in the wrestling business. Oh, Tony's calling right now. Of course. <laughs> um, so, so it was just it was a, a, a very um, fateful night in so many different ways. But uh, I, I think that I'm just trying to pick the right words here. The company wasn't built around me, but it, but and at the risk of sounding egotistical, if there was no Chris Jericho, I don't know if the company would have gotten off the ground as quickly as I did. Yeah. That, that's that's a way to put it. Yeah, it did. And because I say that because I think at the time I was the only national kind of superstar name that was involved. I mean, besides Jim Ross, but Jim Ross isn't, isn't on-air talent. He's a commentator. But keep in mind, no one really knew Cody at that point. He'd been gone for years. And the sure. last time we seen him, he was Stardust. I'm going to pull back so I can see you guys' faces. Uh, he was Stardust when he left. And as much buzz as Kenny and, 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 and Matt and Nick Jackson had, they were still mostly just kind of regional guys. You know, they were worldwide stars, but when it comes to national TV in the States, they didn't have any experience for that. Nope. So there really wasn't anybody else, and I think if Chris Jericho wasn't involved, it would have been a lot harder of a sell to TBS or TNT or those types of people that were involved because you needed that big TV to get off the ground. You needed uh, money, which we had, passion, which we had, television, which is very hard to get, and a roster of stars that no one had really seen before that were ready to go to the next level. Right. But you needed a guy that kind of could open the door. And, I, right. and one last point is I did that with New Japan. Right. When I worked with Kenny at the Tokyo Dome in 2018, there was a lot of people who went to check out New Japan for the first time because of Chris Jericho. That's right. And then once they check it out, they see all these other amazing talents and go, wow, we like this company. Yeah. And that was my goal for AEW was if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if I'm the bridge to get here, check me out and then look at all these other guys that we have. And so it was a really big deal to get that television slot um, on TNT and to debut. I mean, it, 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 it people don't realize how hard that was to get there. Sure. You know, because yeah. we had spoke about, you know, maybe doing something on Netflix or maybe doing something on, a, on a, like a Showtime 
pay-per-view channel and you can't do that like it wouldn't have worked we were we were just i'm sure tony knows all the details more than i do but from what i recall it was like to get on national television on such a huge network was very very hard to do and and was a there was a very slim chance to do it and we did it yeah so. tony mentions that uh, he was at wrestle kingdom in 2018 was there when you and kenny omega battled and that's where he came up. He always wanted to, to do right. a wrestling company, but it was that night that he decided, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I'm going to, so it, it was born based on your match with Kenny Omega. I think it was um, the fact that there was so much of a buzz, but the cold, hard fact of the business mm -hmm. that it did. Because New Japan World, which was New Japan's streaming service, I believe subscription went, subscriptions went up like 300%. Okay. If not more, congrats. Uh, when when that match was announced, I know in the in the arena in the dome, it sold an extra fifteen thousand tickets. Which out of fifty thousand tickets, think about that. I mean, that's you know, thirty percent of the tickets sold just from that match. Which, so I think a combination of the tickets and the business of the streaming is where Tony really thought like I can do this. And also, so same with Kevin Riley, who was our initial contact at TNT, TBS, who said there is some business that can be done here. Sure. Um, so all of those things, listen, would the company have happened if I wasn't there? Probably, but I just don't think it would have grown as quickly as it did yeah. or maybe gotten off to such a huge start because one last thing I'll say, and this is really getting into business weeds and people might not even care, but for the ones that do is we started Dynamite as an ad rev share business. And what does that mean? That means that they sell advertisements and we get a piece of it. That's right. it. Right. If they sell 12 bucks in advertising, Here's your, I don't know, 50% or 10%. If they sell 2 million, mm -hmm. if they sell 20 million, it's not a lot of money. Yeah. But three months in, because of the demos that we were getting, and I call myself the demo god tongue-in-cheek, but there was the demos that we were getting were so big. That's when the, 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 the network decided to sign us, rip up the ad rev share, mm -hmm. and sign us to a four-year, $160 million deal. Had those demos not got off the ground so quickly, three months, it had to be hit out of the gate. We wouldn't have got that television deal. And who knows what would have happened? Because guess what happened right after that? Pandemic, lockdown, yeah. no house shows, right. empty crowds, mm -hmm. no crowds. Mm -hmm. So everything really worked out the way it should, but it happened very quickly. Yeah. And once again, I think that a lot of it was because when the company started, it was, it was on my back. But I knew I had a very short time to go from carrying this giant pyramid or like the, 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 the atlas carrying the world from <laughs> one back to having, okay, Let's build Cody quickly. Okay, now we got two backs. Let's get Darby in there. Let's get Jungle Boy in there. Let's get Scorpio Sky in there. Let's get Moxley in there. All those guys were guys that I worked with. Mm -hmm. uh, Kenny, Hangman, in the very first three or four months that we had right. to try and spread this out. And I think we did that well and, and once again very quickly, which is what enabled us to get that, that big deal, which enabled us to probably still be here today. I think one of the things that I really appreciate about you, I mean, honestly, from a personal standpoint, but you kind of mentioned Jungle Boy, Darby, and all these things, but having someone with your experience level and your mind for wrestling and being able to build up these future talent, uh, how important was that to you when you came over to AEW? Well, like I said, it was the only mission that I had because, this, you know, you can't carry it all on your back, and I was not planning on that, you know what I mean, or, or even thinking about it because... I, I learned, you know, back in the 90s, and Tony was there in WCW, we had something really, really cool going on. And it actually happened in Mexico, too, in UWA. Carlos Minas was the promoter in 93, 94 when I was there. He had the top promotion in the, company, in the country, WCW, but they didn't spread it out amongst vets, guys in their prime, up-and-comers, and rookies. They mm -hmm. didn't do that in WCW. No, you're right. And... Once again, I, this is not a, a, any type of burial to anybody, but when it was constantly Piper and Hogan and Flair and Piper and Hogan and Lex and Piper and Lo Hogan and Sting and Macho, and you had Eddie Guerrero was the top heel in the company. I was the top heel in the company after Eddie was. Uh, you, you could go through the list of guys. I'm just talking from my experience. Why wouldn't they have booked Sting versus Chris Jericho in 1998? That, would have been, that feud right. would have been Money. huge. Sure. I was so over. Money. Eddie versus Hulk Hogan. It would have been huge, right. and it would have kept, not that Sting wasn't relevant or Hogan wasn't relevant, they were huge, huge stars, but for us to be in the ring with them would have built us. For them to be in the ring with us would have built them. It's what I've been doing since I came back to, to the WWE in, in, in 16, 
And I said, I don't want to work with Hunter anymore. I don't want to work with Sean. I don't want to work with Kane or Undertaker. I've done that. I want to work with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn yes. and Roman Reigns and, and Seth and all those guys, Claudio, uh, Cesaro at the time. Working with those guys kept me relevant, but it also built their names and it built mine and it gave me a different mindset. I remember the first time Seth Rollins did two topes in a row. I was like, this is not how it <laughs> You do one dive a match. Welcome to AEW. But but that helped me understand like there's a whole new way of playing the game here and I can do it. So let me just open my mind. And that led to going to Japan and with the match we had, Kenny and I was was one of the all time greats. But once again, I'm incorporating his style and and he's incorporating my style and then coming to AEW, same thing. I didn't want to work with, I mean, Matt Hardy wasn't here, Christian was here, but we've done those matches a thousand times. Let me work with Cody. Let me work with Darby. Let me work with Jungle Boy. And like I said, and, 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 and Mox and I had a huge feud in WWE, but it was not Mox. It was Ambrose. It was a different guy when he came here. Sure. Uh, all of those things were, let's, let's start you know, building some new names. And then after I lost to Mox, I did you know, a whole big thing with Orange Cassidy mm-hmm. in front of no people. We couldn't wait. It was a great storyline. And then it went to MJF for a year. The whole MJF inner circle pinnacle feud was meant to build MJF and Sammy. That's why we built it. The inner circle was to build Sammy, reinvent Jake, which we did. He just had one of the best matches of his career last night. That's right. Uh, I never even knew who Santana Ortiz was, but but I heard about him. Let's put them in the mix. Trying to build as many people as you can because that's what wrestling is all about. And the more, as an artist, the more colors I have to paint with, the better my paintings are. Right. And the longer my paintings are going to last. Yeah. It's a great you know, and, and here I am, you know, just working with Eddie Kingston for eight months. I mean, I didn't even know who Eddie Kingston was. Yeah. That's not a cut down Eddie. I just didn't know him. Well, he didn't have a national TV He exposure. didn't have the exp- right. And so, so this guy, we can build this guy. And, you know, starting the Jericho Appreciation Society. I never even knew who Parker and Menard were. And, and then now they've got some steam. And then and Jake's even higher. And now Danny Garcia. It's like, let's constantly build. And there's times where people, Jericho needs to leave. Get him out of here. Go away. It's like, if I wasn't here, these other guys wouldn't be getting the spotlight that they need right. to start developing their characters That's and right. their star power. Exactly. Absolutely. We are talking with Chris Jericho. I want to go back to one thing. Just a, a, a comment here when you were talking about WCW. It was very apparent to me and all of us who were working, uh, doing uh, the announcers especially, that what made the shows back then were the cruiserweights. You, Juventud, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko. Just those were the ones that made the show. And and those were the reasons that we had great shows. And it was was funny. It was like, damn, the best matches are like the first three. Right. Right. And uh, that's that's how you kind of establish your name. I think. Well, you're right. And, and what I'll say about that is that, okay, so the NWO and, and those feuds had the, the numbers and had the focus and had the buzz. Right. But it was our matches that kept people's interest. Yeah, right. Because if you look at the, at the other side of the coin with WWF at the time, was that their undercard was terrible, but their main events were amazing. Right. Brett was in there. Sean was in there. Steve right. was in there. Mick was in there. So they had the main events quality match wise we had the buzz in our main events but the main events weren't very good but what we had they didn't was the undercard and the thing was cruiserweight was almost like being called a leper there was such a stigma because i was 225 pounds Mm -hmm. you know i remember i went to work with with jim neidhart once and they 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 wanted to put me over and jim's like but but i'm not a cruiserweight i'm like dude i mean i wasn't as big as the anvil but (laughs) fuck i mean i was just as big as bigger than Shawn Michaels or just as big as Booker T or like, right. what are we talking about here? Yeah. Get rid of this stupid cruiserweight name. Mm-hmm. I hated that name. Yeah. Just have us wrestle. Right. Just have wrestlers. You know right. what I mean? Right. I mean, fucking Benoit was, was, was a tank. I yeah. mean, everybody, like, okay, Dean and Eddie weren't tall, but Eddie worked like he was six foot eight. Oh yeah. His style was so much stronger than any of those guys. He would have broke, you know, Piper and Hogan in two. Sure. If you wanted to. Yeah, right. And this is not a cut down on Piper and Hogan. I mean, right. I, two of the greatest. I loved working with Hulk in 2000s in, in, in WWE when he came in. And Roddy's one of the greatest talkers of all time, much better than I ever could be. But I'm just saying, if you're looking at what was going on in the company at the time, it was just so apparent. Like, just shake it up, man. There's so yeah. many guys here that are just knocking on the door. And so many guys there that just seem to not 
want to open that door. And I don't even know if that was just manifesting in our minds or whatever, but no one wanted to be there after a while because it was just no fun. I had the feud with Goldberg that caused a rift with Goldberg for years. He and I are very good friends now, but it was like they wouldn't put me in the room with Goldberg. I was the most over heel. I could have given Goldberg such a different shade other than just spear jackhammer. Yeah. And they never did the match. And what happened? Nothing. What happened with him? He gets tasered. And I end up working with Bobby Duncan Jr. And neither one of us get anything out of yeah, it. Right. That was a main event feud. Right. Who cares who wins? Right. Just being in the ring with Goldberg, him teaching me what he wants to do, me teaching me what I wanted to do. It was a money match. And as soon as that match didn't happen, I was like, there's no reason for me to be here anymore. And that's when I knew it's time to get the hell out. Sure. sure. You know, so it, it was a shame because it was a very cool place. And I learned a lot. Right. But I also learned when it's time to leave a company. And I've stayed with, with that mindset ever since right chris leaves uh, wcw goes on to the wwe and and really jump starts a wonderful career we'll talk more with chris jericho and we continue on unrestricted aew unrestricted talking to uh the demo god the wizard what else are we calling you? Le champion. Le champion. yeah it's all works it's all good stuff and it's all of course as we've talked about how this company was built uh, let me ask you about when you when you first talked with Tony Khan and you first agreed to come to this company. What was what was that like talking to Tony, meeting him? Well, okay, so you had left the business for a long time, but yes. you've been you've been on the job for for years and years and years. And one thing that all of us have heard mm -hmm. is a guy. He's got some money. Hey. <laughs> you don't say. He's gonna start off. And yeah. Like I remember, I remember I heard it when I was nineteen years old in Calgary. Yeah. Oh yeah. This guy's gonna start up. And you're yeah. like, oh, right on. Yeah, right. What do you mean? It didn't happen. And then you know, go go go. And you always would see a few of them here and there. They'd start up and they, you know, bring in. Oh, this is gonna be the big one. And they're doing a television taping and and whatever. I mean, I, I worked for WSW and then I started working for Vince. And it was like this is the only place I'm gonna work ever again. Right. Until I leave and then the New Japan thing starts because it's like Kenny Omega's from Winnipeg. Nobody's from Winnipeg. No. And the guy who's commentating, that's facilitating this idea, is Don Callis, is also from Winnipeg. Right. And that really appealed to me. A Tokyo Domain event between two Winnipeggers with another Winnipegger on commentary. Like I said, nobody from Winnipeg ever does anything. Right. right? So, um, okay, I'll, I remember calling Vince the first time and going, Vince, I got this New Japan thing at the Tokyo Dome. He's like, oh, just go do it. It's fine. It's great. And I was like, so, so relieved. I got permission. Yeah. So my mindset was never to work anywhere else, you know, and Fozzie was taken off, Judas had just started, so I was out of the business for a while, just working, I think I did six matches in New Japan over two years, whatever it was. And then my manager's like, there's this guy, Tony Khan, and I'm like, come on, whatever. Dude, whatever. So we happened to have a Fozzie show in Jacksonville, which is where Tony lives. Right. So Barry Bloom, my manager, organized a, a lunch between me and Tony Khan. I remember my, my our tour manager, Sam, came and one of our PAs, Jack Slade, came. It's like, you know, let's just go have dinner at a nice hotel or lunch before the show. A couple roadies. Right. That were sitting right there. Right. You know, and, and, and here I am talking to Tony Khan. And I remember talking to him, and the, the one thing I could vividly recall was like, he won't look at me. He's, look, he's looking away, and he's talking away. He's, and, and then I realized, like, he's nervous. He's nervous to be, be here right now. You're kind of sure. a big deal. Well... Yeah, you are. Thank you. But what I didn't realize at the time is that to Tony, I was uh, he was a huge fan of mine to the right. point where it's much documented. But when he was insert age here, 13, 14, 12, he did really good in school and paraphrasing. And his dad said, as a reward, you can do anything you want. And his dad is a multi-billionaire. Right. Best guy, Shad Khan. Yeah. Great, great guy. Super, super cool. And says, you can do anything. And, and Tony says, Dad, I want to go to Chris Jericho's last match in ECW at the right. ECW Arena. And it's me versus uh, Two Cold Scorpio, uh, August of 96. Of course, Tony will know the exact date. Yes. If yes. you watch this, the finish is Scorpio does a shooting star press, but he lands with like his elbow in my face. And I remember he just crunched me. Scorpio was a big dude and super agile, but he's probably 240. When he came sure. down, like, he, like right. it hurt. If you pause it, you can see. A young Tony Khan sitting in the crowd. Yeah. I just found it again the other day. I circled him. I was like, this is you, right? So it was a big deal for him to meet me, and it was, it was you know, so we spoke, and, and he had some ideas, and I was like, you know, like, we're not going to have writers. I'm going to be the booker, and I was like, like who's going to be the booker? I'm going to be the booker. I'm like, really? Like, 
but this guy is really confident, you know, and he's, mm-hmm. he, you know, and he, he really like, you know, like this is cool. And how did it go? It went good. Like, you know, maybe something will happen from it, but whatever. And then when Tony finally started putting pen to paper and coming back with it, he gave me one offer. I said, yeah, he gave me another one. I called Vince and Vince, Vince through his intermediaries said, take the deal. And I was like, all right, that's all I need to hear. So I took the deal. I signed it. Next week, he calls me back. We're talking about something. He goes, did you sign? I said, yeah. He goes, what? Can you get out of it? I said, no. <laughs> you said to take it. And I had already been like, I don't like, I don't like when people don't call me back. Yeah. Like, I'm not freaking the god of wrestling, but give me a fucking call back. Yeah. I've made a lot of money for you. Right. And I was getting the, yes. oh, we'll call you back at five. Uh, Can you call you back at eight? No. Oh, yeah. And now, now, like, it doesn't, like, I'm super chill. But when it comes to, like, what I perceive to be disrespect, I will lock the door. And I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Take the deal. Whatever happens, happens. And I'm a thousand percent. And then like, there was a lot of like, who's recruiting for you guys? <laughs> oh, like, yeah, right. Me. Right. You know, what, what do you got? I, I can't tell you any scoops. Yeah. <laughs> WWE people. We're now yeah. competitors. Like, I work for, I'm yeah. on the other team. Right, right. And I'm a thousand percent there, yeah. you know? So that's when it all came to be. And I was like, we are going to freaking either change this business mm-hmm. or die trying. Because right. that was another thing. Like, I had a whole, like, I could go back to WWE. And another thing, too, it's, as a quick story, Kevin Owens and I had the best story for WrestleMania 16. I loved that and feud, by the way. It was you. one of my favorites. And Vince told me at one point it was going to be me versus Kevin for the for the world title, main event of WrestleMania. First time I'd ever win the world title as a babyface. And the story warranted it. You know, you deserve it means nothing to me. The story warranted it. And then he changed his mind. That's fine. I'm a big boy. Mine's changed. But then he put the Kevin Jericho match on second. And anybody that knows, a second match in the show is is not a great spot to be in. It's just kind of like a match. And I was like, I could be here for the rest of my life in the second match, or I can try and go with Tony. And the guys who I'd become friends with, because Japan, Kenny and the Bucks and Cody, I became friends with those guys over there. Let's give it a try, man. We could change the course of history. If this works, history will will never be the same. Right. And if it doesn't, well, it doesn't. But I'm not, I will not be second match on the card guy. I've got too much more to offer. And at the time, gosh, I was 46. Here I am. I'm 51, maybe having one of the best years of my career. Yeah. And our company's booming. We made the right decision. But at the time, it was scary. Yeah, it's, it's taking that step. And, right? it, and, yeah. and now, when we have CM Punk and Brian Dennis and Adam Cole and Samoa Joe and all these guys that came here, it's now the place to be. It's safe to be here now. At first, it was not. It was a risk. Right. And I was willing to take the risk because I was, no one's going to fucking put me in the second match when I know what I can do. And our story was the best one on the show. I don't need to complain about it. Once again, when it's time to leave WCW, I left. Yeah. When it's time to leave WWE, I left. It was time. Right. And I'm glad that I did because we have changed the business and we've got something really special here. Yeah. One thing I think we changed the business, business with, and you said I don't want to be the second match, but... A lot of times, the second best match to be in is the opening match. I agree. And you and Kingston were in the opening match at Revolution. Oh, and my God. It was, like, it was like, how is anybody else on the card going to follow this one? Well, and I appreciate that. But once again, the other match that we were first with was Forbidden Door. The six right. man that we had also with Eddie mm-hmm. and Volos, Suzuki right. and Wheeler and Sammy and uh, Shota Umino. Uh, if you can't be last, be first. Sure. I've always said that because right. it's the best position to be in. Right. Unless you're on last. If you have a title or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. I'll go last every night. Right. If I can't, I'll go first every night. Sure. And once again, if you're in the second match, it's fine. But just that year being the second match was not right. With Eddie Kingston, that was one of my favorite matches that I've ever had. And we started it off. I was like, we're on first. I want you to just dump me on my head. I remember and that. And it was a terrible bump. It was terrible. You know, it really, I was sitting there, we were calling her. I'm like, oh my God, Chris, yeah. what are you doing? And it's like, I, I've only taken one of the bump like that in my life, taken from our broadcast colleague, Taz, mm. back when I was 25 years old. Yeah. And I'll never do it again. And was it scary? Yeah, I was scared. Mm-hmm. But it was also like, I want to start this show off where something where people go, holy shit, what the fuck just happened? And once we did that, it changed the dynamic of everything. Right. I'm, you know, I'm an artist. I'll, I'll take the risk. That's what we do. I will never take another bump like that again, you know, but I never thought I'd take a light bulb, a fluorescent light bulb over the head from Nick Gage last year. But once again, why did I do it? Because the story warranted it. Sure. That's why we did barbed wire everywhere this year. 
It's not just a bunch of guys falling in barbed wire because we're marks. It's because the story worked and it really made a difference to do things that way. And that's what I think keeps my longevity or, or, or keeps me, you know, where, where I think I should be is because I understand that you let the story lead you. You don't lead the story because then it becomes shoehorning. Where is the story taking us? What is the crowd doing? You have to listen to that. And you can't do it if you don't have the experience. And even guys with experience, some can't. I've always been very good at listening to, not the crowd, but li- like, like they used to say that Wayne Gretzky could kind of feel where the puck was going, not where it is or not where it's been. Because if you, if you go where the puck is or has been, you're behind the play. He was always ahead of the play. And I've been very good at, once again, the risk of sounding egotistical, at staying ahead of the curve just a little bit. This is going to really work, even if it seems strange, you know, and it nine times out of ten it does. And that was one of those nights where, where it really fit. And the funny thing is, too, just, just to tr- wrap that up, is that was never the plan. The plan was going to be me and Eddie. He can't win the big one, then he does. And then we maybe become partners, maybe become a six-man with Moxley. Yeah. But then I got hurt. I had fuck, I had much document. I had a pulmonary embolism in December of 21. Had to push back the match. Then Eddie broke his orbital bone. Yep. Had to push back the match. Mm-hmm. And now we're just trying to figure out stuff to do to keep it hot. Yeah. And he brings up this thing with Santana Ortiz. Maybe Jericho's holding you back. And then it suddenly becomes like, what if those guys stay with Eddie Kingston? And what if we turn on them? What if I start a whole new thing? And Danny Garcia and... Ange and Daddy Magic were involved with Eddie and they were involved with me. And Danielson wanted to take Danny Garcia away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why take away Danny from those two guys? It would suck for those two. Those three should stay together. Why don't those three come with me? And I'll keep Jake because he's the heater. Sammy's already gone. And we've got a whole new thing. It's called the Jericho Appreciation Center. That's a terrible name. That sucks. It sucks. Same thing they said when I, in a, in a circle is a terrible name. Just shut up. Yeah. I know it's, it's going to so work. It's so good. Yeah. So that's kind of all those things. You just think ahead of the curve rather than behind it. And you can usually find some magic. You've been involved in things that are memorable in AEW. And one of the reasons is, is because the, the tags we give to them, Stadium Stampede, yeah, right? Yeah. The Mimosa match. Right. Regardless of what you think about them as a fan, like them or not, you remember them. It's, right. You're right. You, re, you remember those things. Anarchy in the arena. Yes. Right. Barbed wire everywhere. Those things that have, have your name on them. And obviously, you went, you you helped name those, came yeah. up with those, and fans remember those things. Well, I mean, look where I came from, right? You know, or even even WCW, but it wasn't the same WrestleCade and, and the, the Great American Bash. Like, I came from WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble. You right. know those? That's right. Survivor Series. We've known those since we were kids. Those are the four pay per views. Money in the Bank. I named that. You yes. know, the, 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 so like it's funny when I think back to we talked about the Orange Cassidy feud earlier. Like, we were doing everything we could just to keep the plate spinning, keep the lights on, and keep people entertained. And people, right. haters can look back, Mimosa, ma'am. That match was so much fun. And also, too, it fit. Yeah. It fit that feud. Yes. It was a great blow-off yes. the feud. And it fit. Sure, it did. So you can bag on it till the cows come home. Right. To me, I remember after that match was done, everybody wanted to be in a Mimosa, ma'am. The Bucks were like, we had no idea what the hell you guys were going to do. That, was so, that looked so much fun. Right. You know, and so it's like everything, once again, let the story lead you. So, and give it a name that you can put a tagline to, you know, Stadium Stampede. I think that might have even been Cody's. But, um, you know, Anarchy in the Arena. I think Tony originally wanted to make it a Blood and Guts, and Mox was like, it's not a Blood and Guts, it's different. I remember he was thinking gang warfare. Mm. And we were thinking, well, it's, 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 that's too, maybe cliche, but it's Anarchy because of her arena anarchy. And I was like, a stadium stampede arena. Okay, let's, how about anarchy in the arena? It's a there little bit go. different. And once, no one knows, no, none of us knew what the hell to expect. And that thing was great. Yes. It was a great match. And it's just completely, absolutely fucking insane. But we didn't know. I remember once again walking into that empty arena in Vegas with the 10 of us. And just like, there's not even chairs set up. There's no ring. You're just like, but what are we going to do? Yeah, Same right. thing with stadium stampede. We walk into an empty, giant stadium. Right. There's no template for this match. That's right. No. What are we going to do? Right. Well, let's put a ring in there, and then all of us can start in the ring, and we'll do a tackle, drop down, leapfrog, just so people can say there's some wrestling content. That's, <laughs> that's funny. Now what? 
Right. I don't know. There's a pool Fuck up it. there. Maybe some guys go to the pool. And yeah. Matt Jack's like, I want to jump off that uh, cross. The uprights, yeah. The, okay, yeah. well, then some of us walk over here. And there's a bar. Why don't Jake and Hang out of a bar fight? It seems right. like they'd be bar fighters. Yeah. Well, what else we got? Right. You know, so all of that stuff. And then you just kind of start putting it together. Arena, Anarchy in the Arena was the same. Blood and Guts is the same. So that's the beauty of it. Like, there's so much creativity going on. And we've created so many matches, once again, that we had to create. If you want to make a play set of, you know, Blood and Guts, you can. Yeah. Or Mimosa Mayhem, you can. Or whatever. And, like, you need that identity to establish your, your company, establish that your company's different from any other company. Right. Which I think is very important once we've done that. One of my favorite things about the Anarchy in the Arena match, like day of, uh, so we're all chit-chatting, went on, I'm talking to Dean, and the refs come over and go, okay, what are we doing? And I just go, yeah, we're just going to assign one ref to each heel, follow them around, yeah. hope nobody gets hurt. No, and, and, and that's, that's the most we can do. Well, and, and we built it Let around. Let it happen. Like, what, like, let's, let's pull something out of like the real wild thing, the... Major League, they, they play that song, I think, when he's pitching or something like this. Mm-hmm. Let's just play the song yeah, like for like five minutes and see what happens. And people loved it. And then I'll be the asshole that grabs, like, can we get like a stereo? Like they pulled some Dispense stupid, like, it makes like a little keyboard. Stereo with some like <laughs> glass on it. Like I'll break it. And as soon as I throw it down, cut the music off. Oh, right. That worked out. And then yeah. like Mox is like, what if like Eddie came down with like gas and like went to pour it on you? I was like, oh, like no one's ever going to allow that. We're like, what if they did? And that just that moment was so iconic. And it worked too because once again, Eddie Kingston loves Puerto Rican wrestling. And he someone or Memphis. Yeah. Someone threw a fireball. So I was like, okay, I'll throw a fireball on your face. Right. And it worked. And then we were at commentary and then like something you threw a fireball. And I'm like, I was thinking, like, what is like what is like who throws a fire like a wizard? Like maybe throw mm-hmm. like they cast spells and probably throw fireballs. I'm a wizard. And then suddenly read the room. Right. Back in the day, everyone would bring signs. Mm-hmm. Right. No one can bring signs now. You know why? Because they're too busy doing this. That's right. So there's no signs anymore. So yeah. you would do you go on Twitter and, re- and everyone's like wizard, wizard, memes and gifts. And I was right. like, well, that's a thing. Sure. That All I need works. to do is throw a fireball one more time. And we went to Vegas and there was a problem. I had my uh, magician's license. What? Because you need that to throw a fireball okay. in the vicinity of Vegas. That's the most Vegas thing I've ever heard. Yeah. The problem was <laughs> it didn't come in in time. So we had to go outside the boundaries of Vegas. Right. To, to throw that fireball on the stage hand, if you remember that. And I right. remember it was a problem. It was like, guys, don't tell me why it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Because once again, my internal Gretzky stay ahead says, we need to throw another fireball today because it's at the peak. We need to do it to next week. It's too late. And we figured it out. We made it happen. The kid took the fireball. And now it's a thing. Sure. And I did it one more time with, Sh- with Shota Umino. Yeah. That's it. I don't ever have to throw it again. I can fake it. I can, I can tease it. Or maybe I do. But now it's a thing. It's part of the Chris Jericho canon that right. I can throw fireballs. My dad said, how do you do that? I said, I, 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 got, I can throw fireballs, Dad. I'm not going to tell you. Dude. I can fucking watch it. I'll throw a fireball in your face. Yeah. So all that stuff, it counts. And people don't think it counts, but it counts. You know, It makes a difference, and it means something. We are talking with Chris Jericho. We'll continue with AEW Unrestricted. This is AEW Unrestricted. Tony and Aubrey here with the GOAT, the Wizard, the Le Champion. They've gone by many, many names. Chris Jericho. And they've all worked. And they, they've all worked, as we've established. Like the, the, I love the Gretzky analogy. It's absolutely great. And we, we've seen a lot of reinvention that you've done over their career. And now you're bringing back you know, the Lionheart. Uh, occasionally we see the Painmaker return. What kind of goes behind your decision-making factor when you say, I'm going to bring back one of these characters? Because you've said the, the story kind of moves it yeah. along. It's, it's the story. Like, I don't like nostalgia. Uh, I never did. Like, my biggest influence in the wrestling business is David Bowie. Uh, and if you think back to all the characters that Bowie had, from Aladdin Saint to Ziggy Stardust to the Thin White Duke to even his last word before he died, he was Button Eye. And it's just like he always had different characters and always moved ahead. And you'd never see Bowie in 1988 go back to Ziggy Stardust. It was a point in time, I wish Bowie would bring back Ziggy Stardust. I wish Jericho would bring back the list. Or like, no, it's just, it's a point in time where it was awesome. That fucking list was so over. So mm. over. Oh my yes, God, just the pen. It's, it's yeah. so, and that's another reason why if I go back to WWE, they're going to want me to do the list. I don't feel it anymore. It's, just, it's, it's now just, it's like DX crotch chopping. It just doesn't work anymore. So, like you just said, the story goes where it goes. And Painmaker is something I really liked because I did it in Japan. Because the first match I had with Kenny, the match was great, but the look didn't fit. 
it was it was it was list Jericho, and I was like, ah, this, Japan's different, and I feel more like Bruiser Brody there because I'm not. You're like a bigger guy. Six foot, I gain weight because I know Japanese people respect blockiness. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to headline the Tokyo Dome, which I did three years, three years in a row, I, I want to adapt to different characters. Robert De Niro, Raging Bull, right? And I just didn't feel like a list guy and a light-up jacket guy. I, just, I feel like a killer. Like a, what, would a, what would a serial killer look like if he was a wrestler? What would that be? And I don't know. I don't know why. It just was like maybe a little Alice Cooper, maybe a little Clockwork Orange, maybe a little just fucking like, I don't know, like some shitty makeup here and some shitty, <laughs> shitty makeup there where it kind of trails off. I remember when I brought it here, I think it was one of our makeup girls was like, uh, do you want me to do that? Like, we're, I know I don't want it professionally. It's some fucking lunatic who's just like painting... Right. Like like it puts the lotion in the basket, remember? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Signs of the lamps, so yeah. Like, you know, maybe it's a hat, and there's a Jack the Ripper, and there's a jacket with spikes, and I don't know. I just liked it, and it worked. It felt better as that character. And when we were finished with the New Japan run, well, it's hopefully not finished forever, but the first match I had with Darby, he wears paint. Well, I got a painted-up guy. It's mm-hmm. a street fight. Let me do the pain maker. I did it with Nick Gage. I did it with Eddie. It's the it's the hardcore deathmatch version of Jericho that I'm now taking to the NFT universe. We're doing an NFT Painmaker graphic novel. We did two Painmaker NFTs that sold very quickly. So I want to take this character into like you know, there's so many only so many Spider-Man, Batman, Superman movies I can watch. Sooner or later, someone's gonna have to create a new superhero, and I created this Painmaker. So that's the guy I like to bring back for these crazy death matches, whatever. Whenever there's a Sting Jericho match, which there has to be, because we Sting, Sting and I have never been in the ring together ever, except for when Keith Mitchell retired, and we had that after ceremony. Never been in the same ring ever, 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 ever. Holy there shit. has to be wow. a Sting Jericho match in whatever way we decided, and that would be a great time for Painmaker. Right. Lionheart was Mox's idea. Yeah. Because we were trying to think, we had this title match because everybody was hurt this summer. Mm-hmm. You know, Punk was hurt, Danielson was hurt. Samoa Joe wasn't available. Kenny. Kenny was hurt. Freaking Adam Cole was hurt. Someone's got to hold down the fort. And this summer, it was Mox and Jericho. If he, if he wasn't in the main event, if his story wasn't in the main event, my story was. So it was perfect for us to have a rematch. We had never had one since February of, ni- of 20. He had to say, he's like, well, we need a gimmick match. I said, no, we don't. We just did this barbed wire thing. Let's just have a fucking wrestling match. That's the gimmick. And he came up with the Lionheart idea. Mm. And I was like... That's really cool. We can really sink our teeth into that. You know, I went to the storage unit to try and find the old Lionheart tights. I could not find them. So I'm like, well, why, why would I? I found the kick pads. They smell like a storage unit. Of course. But I'm like, if Kiss was going on tour in 2022 wearing the costumes from the Love Gun tour in 77, mm-hmm. they wouldn't dig them out of the mothballs. They'd have a new updated version made. Right. So that's what I did with the Lionheart tights. That's what I'm going to do for this. That's what I did. And then after the pulmonary embolism, I finally dropped the weight that I gained for the pain maker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, I'll just do a couple of little wacky Mexican submissions and get the white zombie theme song. And we'll see what happens. And it was one of the best matches of my career. I so, agree. Um, and Tony loved it. And he's like, we got to do the Lionheart again. And he really pushed for the Lionheart versus American Dragon, which is why we're doing it this weekend. And it fits. It really, really worked well. And listen, I mean... <laughs> Barbara everywhere, I broke my nose. Mm. Week after Wheel of Utah, my, tone, my big toenail fell off. Mm-hmm. Moxley, I got gashed open, and I have a bruised larynx. We just had to postpone our Fozzie tour because I, I have no top range from that match. It happens. It's part of what we do, but it also shows the intensity and how well these, these matches are working. And I think people enjoy the extra little twist. Painmaker with Eddie, Lionheart with, with Mox. Lionheart with, uh, with, with Brian. Let's do it. Sure. You know? And, and what is it really? It's all me. It's all <laughs> David Bowie. There's just little different window dressings and maybe something different to the set list that you haven't done for a while. Let's bring it back. That's what I like about That's not nostalgia to me. That's taking it into the modern era. Right. So that's why I like to do that and delve back into that. I like right. that. I know how you feel. You mentioned how you feel about nostalgia, but you do realize how fans feel about it. Of course. Yeah, and how they feel about the Lionheart you know, coming back. Yeah. It's a big deal. No, and, and I appreciate, listen, 32 years is a long time, you know, and I don't take that lightly. I was, I became a Metallica fan in 1985 on their second record, Ride the Lightning. I grew up with Metallica. Metallica was my band. When they started making it bigger and bigger and became the biggest band in the world, I take great pride in that because I was there from the start. Right. 
I think our AEW fans feel that about AEW. Mm-hmm. They got to be here from the start. And a lot of people feel that about Chris Jericho. Yeah. And a long career has ups and downs. Not every album can be a classic. But the body of work is there. So someone enjoyed me in ECW or Smoky Mountain mm-hmm. or freaking Calgary Wrestling, which broadcasts across Canada, WCW, whatever, WWE. Like, I appreciate that. If someone says, man, I really love the list. It's my favorite thing. Thank you. I appreciate that. I will sign your list, but we're not going to bring back any lists. That's fine. Yeah. But I appreciate that. Right. Thank you, man, because that, that shows that you've had impact on people's lives. You can never take that for granted. And the older I get, the more I realize how special that is. At any era, any floor of the Chris Jericho elevator that you got on, whether you got off quickly or whether you're still on it, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. want to ask you about the bottom floor. When did you decide you wanted to be a pro wrestler? I used to watch with my grandmother, AWA in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. So I can remember probably, so she died when I was seven, so that's 1977. And then I was always really, really interested in it because my dad played pro hockey, but I could never tell who was who on the ice because they all wore helmets. Not my dad's era, but as I grew up. Right. Wrestling, I loved the fact that each guy had a character. I loved Hulk Hogan. I loved Nick Bockwinkle. I loved Jesse Ventura, but my grandmother hated him, so I could never say that I loved Jesse Ventura. I thought he was the coolest guy. <laughs> right. But I also loved Hulk Hogan. I remember Nick Bockwinkle ripping out Hulk Hogan's shoulder by taking his arm and jumping over the apron side, over the top rope, down to the floor. Like, this is pre-Hulkamania. Yeah, right. You know? And so I, I loved wrestling. I loved music. And I just thought, like, wow, I'd love to be a wrestler, but I'd love to be in a band. Well, why don't I do both? And in 1983, how do you just, how do you figure that out? I don't know. Yeah. I just, I don't know. And so that's when I decided, I, since I, I was very lucky. I mean, my kids did not, under, did, don't know what they want to do at 13, and very few do. Because I want to be an astronaut, or I want to be Indiana Jones, or yeah. I want to be a Secret Service agent. That comes and goes, but I, wrestling and music is what I wanted to do since I was a little, little kid. And I was lucky. I watched Stampede Wrestling out of Calgary, and they had an address. If you want to be a wrestler, come to the Hart Brothers Pro Wrestling Camp, and here's the address you write to. Mm-hmm. Self-addressed stamped envelope, which was a thing back in the 80s. Ooh. I did that. I sent it in, and um, you had to be 18. I graduated from high school at 17. I met Jesse Ventura on a street corner in Winnipeg because he was playing a celebrity hockey game with my dad. I later on got to hang out with him for an hour after the show, and he said, if you want to make it in wrestling, have a backup plan. So I went and got my journalism degree because I was only 17. I graduated at 19 and went straight to wrestling school. Wow. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. Damn. I didn't know you had a journalism degree. I do. That's I do. wild. Yeah. I was actually on the honor roll. I was a C student in high school and on the honor roll in college because I cared. Yeah, to do it. It's one of those things. Like if you're actually given something that you give a shit about, that's right. Yeah, maybe actually people will be good at. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Go figure. Give your all to it. Yeah. So I I have a lot of. We obviously work together a lot. Yeah. Um, and I have a lot of matches that I consider favorites at Dynamite, and you're in a lot of those. But I'm curious, what are your your favorite matches you've had over the last three years? And you mentioned Eddie at Revolution. So many of them, man. Because I go through like the first Mox match that I had was great, but the second one I had was. Was was an all timer. Oh yeah. The first Eddie Kingston was an all timer. The Forbidden Door one is so funny because we walked in there into the uh, into the into the room, and I never had a match with Shota. I never matched with with, with but for whatever reason. <laughs> we put that thing together so quickly, and I remember I was just on a roll, like boom, 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 boom. And at Suzuki, like there's very few guys that have been in the business long. Maybe Suzuki's one of them. So I have to I have to deter to what he wants to do. Yeah, that's how it works. Sure. He's the veteran. He's the veteran. Yeah, and, and, right. and he knows his style mm-hmm. better than he does. What do you think of this Suzuki sign? And, and dude, that match was so fucking great. And <laughs> followed right after Anarchy in the Arena, which went right into Blood and Guts, which went right into, I mean, the match that I had with Wheeler Yuta was a great one. But uh, the, the Orange Cassidy first match we had was really good. Um, there's been so many of them. But if I had to pick one, it would have to be Eddie Kingston this year or, or Moxley this year. Those are the first th- both stadium stampedes were awesome. Oh, but, yeah. But I'd go with the Mox or, or, or the Eddie. Yeah, the Eddie match is, is, is my favorite. Yeah, There's no thank question. you. Yeah, thank it was, you. It was absolutely tremendous. Eddie Kingston, he's one, he, Eddie Kingston reminds me of Randy Orton, and I'll tell you the reason why. Hmm. Polar opposites in image and, and gimmick, but neither one of them quite realize just how good they are. They kind of think it's funny to kind of downplay themselves, but they're both so good and 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 eddie doesn't quite get it yet and when he does he's gonna be great he's gonna be a world champion yeah not that he doesn't now but 
he still has an inner demon. I think those, those are going away because he realizes just how good he is. Yeah, very well said. But, but I saw it from the start. So, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of Eddie Kingston. Yeah. How do you juggle singing in a rock band, being the lead singer of a rock band, and a wrestling career? That's got to be tough. On, on top of that, you also have a cruise, you have these NFTs, you have all these yeah, other right. projects you're yeah. doing. You're a machine. Well, once again, going back to when I was a kid saying I want to be a wrestler and I want to be in a rock and roll band. Never a rock star. I just wanted to be in a fucking band. Mm-hmm. And everyone said, you'll never do that. And I was like, why do people care what I want to do? Yeah. If I want to do it, I'm going to do it. That's right. I went and did it. And then once you, once you have success, then you become unstoppable. Podcasting show, I'll do it. Write a book. I'll do it. NFTs, let's try it. This is weird for me because 32 years in wrestling, 22 years with Fozzie, I've never been injured where I couldn't sing. It's right. scary. It's not permanent, and it just takes time to heal. They said, we don't want you to talk at all. I can't. I can't not talk. It's, it's part of my job. kind of your thing. But I don't know how long we're going to be out from this. Hopefully, it's only a couple more weeks. But um, that's been hard. But other than that, uh, AEW has been a godsend because we only wrestle once a week yeah, right. pretty much. Absolutely. And once in a while, there's a Friday or a, and a pay-per-view. But, for example, when we tour the States now, we do five days on, two days off, and those two days are Tuesday, Wednesday. So I can come work Dynamite if it's something big or or – if I need to go home for a couple of days, then we'll just... The beauty of being here is I, I'm, I have pretty much creative freedom to write the stories that we're telling or work in tandem with whoever I'm feuding with. Right. You know, like when the tour was going to start next week, we have a great story as to why I won't be at one of the shows. We'll stick with it because it's a great story. But right. once again, this company has been a godsend. If, if AEW didn't exist, I would not be wrestling full-time. There's no way. Especially after the pandemic because I wouldn't have gone to Japan right. with the two-week... I might not even be wrestling anymore. Yeah. And yet here I am having one of the best years of my career ever, you know, because of AEW. So, so my loyalties have shifted to here a thousand percent because it really reignited my passion for wrestling and it extended my career when I don't know if I would have wanted to extend it. And now it's like, I don't want to stop and there's no reason to. Sooner or later, I'll explode into a puff of dust. Until that happens, as long as I can still have the, the last match I had was the Moxie match. It might be my best match I've ever had. Right. It was three weeks ago. Sure. Who would have guessed that? That's right. A lot of it's physical, but most of it's mental. Right. And if you want to be here and you're excited and you're passionate, you have a fire, it just makes such a difference. And it's made a difference for me. I'm curious. And I know that, you know, you're, you're not going away anytime soon. You're, you're in your prime again. Jeez, <laughs> right. How many more primes do you have, man? Exactly. What, what's there left to do for you? Well, the answer is nothing, and there's been nothing left to do for years. But what I love to do is tell stories. I love building our company, mm. right? So that's what's left to do is just continue basically doing what I'm doing. I mean, and it's it's not just in the ring. It's outside of the ring. It's like I just had a conversation yesterday with somebody where, where they finally like, – I've been working on this guy for three years now, and a lot of guys didn't understand what it takes to be a top guy. I remember Shawn Michaels told me years ago, just because you're on last doesn't make you a top guy. And, and just because people are chanting your name doesn't mean you're over. And those lessons don't mean anything until you understand what they mean. And so I can, I can spread that wisdom and be backstage and in the ring too. Like I love being in the ring and just doing stuff and going over stuff. You know, working with Brian Danielson right now, to me, he's, he's an equal. And not that other guys haven't been equals, but... A lot of it's on my instinct, like, okay, inner circle stuff or, or Jericho Appreciation Society stuff. Like, I take everybody's thoughts into account, but I kind of have the final say. But with Danielson, I'm, I'm working together. Like, it's really cool to, to have this. It's, it's just all passion. And so what's left for me to do, if I had a list of things, no pun intended, they'd be checked off years ago. But my list is wide open. I want to just continue to build our company and tell great stories so when people buy a ticket to see Chris Jericho, people come buy a ticket to CAW, they leave going, that was fucking cool. I mm-hmm. want to come back. Right. And I'm going to tell George, who said he didn't want to come, that he missed out. Mm-hmm. So George will come back. That's what's left for me to do. Okay. Well, Chris, uh, it's been a great ride since uh, in the three years that we've been together yeah. again, man. Hasn't yeah, it? man, yeah, it really man. has. And it's, fun, it's fun watching those old, uh, all the time, one cool thing about social media is the posts like, you know, 26 years ago today, Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Jericho at, you know, Super Bowl or whatever, and it's your voice right. talking. Like, it's right. really cool to, right. to see that. And also, too, sadly, like, we're the two sole survivors. You know, Bobby's gone, and, like, uh, Brian Hildebrand's in the ring, and yeah, right. Eddie's out there with sure. us. And, you right. know, and it's just, it's cool to still be surviving and thriving 
and once again, making a difference and, right. and making the wrestling business a better place. Yeah, me standing there with you with the signs. <laughs> yes, right, yes, yeah. it was. Yeah. My dad came out and yelled at me <laughs> right there. That was funny. Right, that's yeah. good. Thanks for joining us. No, thank you. Glad okay. to finally get invited. I know. Yeah. Can't, I, okay. I can't thank you enough. I mean, I, I don't tell you enough how grateful I am for everything you've given me. So. One quick last thing is that I saw you out of all of our refs, and they're all great refs, but it was me versus Hangman, and I was like, has there ever been a female referee in a male world title match? Nope. I was thinking about myself, and there wasn't. I was like, this is, but this is not a gimmick. I feel she looks the most professional out there. And I didn't know any of the rest, but I feel that, that this is great for women. It's great for our company, but she's the right person for the match. And you were. Thank and you. And that's why I was like, let me just stick with her because I don't have to worry about it because refs are so important. All of our refs are great. And now I just know your shit. Well, yeah, but also you're learning. Yeah. Oh, I've, the amount of stuff that I've learned from you. have been yelled at a few times. A number well, of times. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm not going to go out there and be like, it's, it's, yeah. it's happened. She yeah. screwed up but when I've earned times, it. Yeah. We'll yeah. never say when. But no. there's a couple like, don't ever do that again. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, tell us about your podcast and where we can uh, pick up your podcast. You can find it. You've both been on it. Yes. Talk to Jericho. <laughs> yes. I just had my 900th episode. Whoa. With Goldberg. Wow. Yeah, that was 900? Yeah, yeah, 900. Oh, yeah. my God. So, uh, so. And once again, it's something that I can do at all times. I mean, as soon as I'm done with you, I have two more booked right now. Whenever I have a day off, I book podcasts. Yep. Okay. And um, I enjoy doing them, and I enjoy being on them, and I enjoyed being on AW Unrestricted. Yeah. And you can pick us up each and every week. And all our YouTube video version, just uh, search AEW Unrestricted. And don't forget, we have Elevation, Dark, and then we have Rampage Dynamite Dynamite Run every night Road of the week two. <laughs> For Chris Jericho and Aubrey Edwards Thank you very much for listening to this episode Of Unrestricted Come on throw your hands up let me see you Unrestricted Got the house now We gonna turn it up